Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, uh, good to see you. Want to welcome those of you watching in Bothell, Duval, and Issaquah. And I am finishing up this series, uh, The Better Half. And today I'm looking at her stress. And the, one, the thing I want to say up front, and especially if you're a single guy here today, I am going to do you probably one of the biggest favors of your life. Because your assumption is that her stress is the same as your stress. And it's actually different. Uh, it actually took me a few years into marriage to really have this click. Uh, I, I came home one day and uh, when our oldest was just very little, I mean, uh, and, and a great kid, I mean, super well-behaved, uh, but I could tell my wife had really come to the end of herself because she said to me, in a voice that's uh, almost impossible to describe, um, unless you saw the movie The Exorcist. Uh, she says to me, will you take this child from me? It will not go well for you, you know? And it's something like that. And I'm just like, okay, I know that something's going on here. Uh, ladies, I hope that as we look at this today, that you'll see God's plan for you uh, in the middle of your unique stress. You know, one of the uh, things about Christianity that is unique is how uh, God came into the world. He created male and female. And Jesus, when he came into culture, he redefined, in a sense, the value of women. And, and we hear this, that, you know, all cultures are all the same. Uh, that's nice, but it's just not true. There are some, and throughout history that have had a radical devaluation of women. And uh, in Jesus, he really turned this uh, on, uh, on its head. Uh, he had uh, ladies who followed him, and he would teach them, and that was unheard of in the day to do that. I mean, you think about how much more extreme it was than that. In the Roman world, there was this thing called the Law of Romulus. And it was this edict that a, a man... If he had sons, he had to raise them. But if he had daughters, he was obligated to raise the first one, and then the rest could be discarded or abandoned. And you might say, well, of course, no one did that. Actually, uh, many people did that by the thousands and tens of thousands. And it was Christ's followers who would take these uh, little baby girls and they would take them in, and they would care for them. And there was something different about this movement that Jesus started. And, and we see this really throughout uh, the early church. We see it even uh, in the Apostle Paul, who often uh, gets a, a bad rap. He co-taught with a woman named Priscilla. He called a, a, a woman named Junia a great among the apostles. Uh, and, and we see this, uh, that the early church was a place that really gave a sense of 
value and worth uh, to all people, and a slave or free, whatever the circumstance in life. Uh, one early church in Serta, archaeologists came across fairly recently, uh, it was seen just how women were drawn to Christianity. There were 16 male tunics, which would mean there were at least 16 men there. Uh, and then they also found 38 veils, which obviously would have been worn by women. Uh, and then beyond that, there were 82 women's tunics, 47 pairs of female slippers, six Lululemon yoga pants. There, <laughs> I just made that part up. Uh, but, but the truth is, there was this sense of value. So when someone feels value, then they're able to hear things. And they're able to be, hear things that can be difficult. And, and, and we will laugh at, at worry and anxiety and stress. But when the scripture speaks of it. It isn't as a suggestion. It's a command. And it's a command for a very good reason. Because it's hard to uh, live in a state of stress and worry and trust of God at the same time. See, something's going to displace the other. And so we're told in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, whether man or woman, I think we all feel uh, a little bit of stress. Uh, here's a little stress quiz for you. Uh, you can just sort of uh, tally up the ones that are true of you. Uh, number one, do you usually feel in a hurry? Uh, is your to-do to list unrealistically long? Do you use your days off uh, to catch up with unfinished work? Has more than one person recently told you to slow down? Do you feel guilty when you relax? Do you have to get sick to take time off? Now, sort of tally yours up, and if four of those, uh, three or four of those are true of you, you're probably feeling a, a level of stress that's affecting your life. Uh, if one or two, you're probably in good shape. If none of those are true of you, you're retired, and we're glad to have you here. <laughs> but. But her stress is different. Her stress is different. I came across a study, and uh, this is of moms, and not every woman is a mom, of course, but it says the, uh, the average mom, now this is you know, sort of averaging it out, spends about five and a half hours a day uh, at a paid job, 45 minutes preparing meals, 31 minutes shopping, 42 minutes doing daily chores, 23 minutes doing errands, 36 minutes ferrying kids around, 47 minutes playing with younger children. And when you figure even a minimal amount of sleep, about six hours, that gives uh, moms, of especially young kids, about two hours a day of free time. And so the stress is different. I, I came across a, a true story this woman wrote about uh, her stress as a mom, and, and her article was this, Why My Lips Stay Chapped on Mother's Day. She writes this, she said, we have this uh, great 10-year-old cat uh, named Jack. Jack was a great cat. Nothing would bother him. Uh, the kids would carry him around. He would let them uh, sit on him, and nothing would bar bother him. And, and she says she had three kids, and at the time of the story, the kids were four-year-old, a uh, three-year-old, and a one-year-old. The middle one was Eli. And she said, Eli loves chapstick. 
He loves it. He really loves it. And he kept on uh, asking me to use the chapstick and then losing it. And then finally one day, uh, she says, I showed him in the bathroom where the chapstick was and said, uh, you can use a chapstick anytime you want to. Uh, just put it back in the drawer. And then she describes a Mother's Day. She says, one Mother's Day, we were having a typical rush around to get to church with everyone crying and carrying on. My two boys were fighting over a toy in the cereal box. I was trying to nurse my little one at the same time I was putting on makeup. Everyone, everything is a mess, and everyone has long forgotten that Mother's Day is supposed to be honoring mom. We finally had the older one and the baby loaded in the car, and now I'm looking for Eli. And she said she searched everywhere. Finally, I round the corner uh, to go into the bathroom, and there was Eli applying chapstick very carefully to Jack the cat. <laughs> Rear end. <laughs> she said he looked her right in the eyes, points to the cat, and says, chapped. And then she said the only question at that point, was this the first time he had done that? <laughs> or the hundredth time he had done that. She said, that's why my lips stay chapped on Mother's Day. <laughs> now, now, it's different. Uh, it's different for women. It's especially different for moms. Uh, and it's important to understand that. Here are some of the factors in that. One are cultural norms. There are some norms uh, that exist uh, around uh, women, whether they work uh, full-time or not, whether married, single. I, I, I remember when we lived in Santa Barbara, my wife and I went over to uh, this couple's house. And uh, the, the husband had been employed for a couple years, and, uh, but the mom, she, she worked. In fact, she owned uh, a string of adult family homes. She, she was a very successful business uh, person. And uh, I, I remember as we were sitting at the table, something was missing, and, uh, I, and I said, oh, I'll get it. And uh, he said, no, you don't get it. And he pointed to his wife. He says, you get up and you get it. And I'm looking at my wife, and she's looking with her eyes, and she's telling me some things with her eyes. <laughs> Number one, don't make a scene. Number two, if you do that, you will not live to see tomorrow. <laughs> but, but in... In their culture, and they, they uh, had just uh, come over this country, I mean, uh, maybe 20 years earlier, there was the idea, no matter what was happening outside the home, there's still this disproportionate expectations. But then the second reality is there's changing expectations, isn't there? Uh, sort of this uh, thing where, you know, you have to be part Tiger Mom, Martha Stewart, meets June Cleaver, meets the Kardashians, uh, and there's actually a thing, and this is especially for moms, uh, that's really a thing. It's called mommy wars. And this is where moms will judge other moms for how they, whether they work outside of the home or not, how they raise their kids or not. Uh, and they'll even take to social media and do it. And so there's this, all this stress around it. Men, and especially dads, can you imagine if some guy came up to you and said, hey, I heard you're pra practicing co-sleeping with your infant. Don't you know that's going to wreck him in 13 years? You would punch him in the mouth, wouldn't you? But there's this, all these expectations. I can't imagine, uh, but I, 
But I imagine that there's this sense of things being undone all the time. And that really gets to competing priorities. And this isn't something that comes from the outside, but rather from the inside. Because there's things that you want to accomplish, things that you want to do, and and you want to be someone who's successful uh, inside the home and outside the home and with friends and with God and in every other way. And there's a reality that there's only so much that can get done. Jesus, uh, he encountered two two women, and, and this story, although it is many years ago, it just speaks to some of the competing priorities. And ladies, I think you, as you see this, you see the choices you have to make. Uh, Men, you see this and you see, you know, maybe I should understand a little bit more. Luke 10, 38 through 42, we read this. Uh, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a young woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, as uh, I've read that passage and and even heard messages on that passage, uh, usually the application is, hey, don't forget to have a quiet time with God every day. And I suggest that. I think that is a legitimate application from this passage. But really, I think there's so much more there in that. And, and I think that we can learn uh, some ways to live uh, with less stress, but it means we need to embrace uh, life differently. And again, this is, you know, for women, but I think for, for men, the same thing for us as well to a great extent. And here are four phrases. I want to put it in four phrases that we can practice saying. Number one, it's good enough. It's good enough. We're not sure the state of the house or how clean it was or wasn't, but Mary said it's good enough. We read there that, uh, that, that she decides to sit at the feet of Jesus. You have to let go of the pressure that everything has to be 100%. I mean, don't let it go this far. This one, uh, you know, I don't want you to let it go uh, this far here. You'll see this parenting one. I think it was taken in a Walmart. Uh, yeah. That's a handcuff to the, uh, I don't want to drive, don't drop your standards that low uh, or this low. Uh, yeah, that one is a little frightening. Or this low. Or this low. <laughs> you know, you don't want to, drive, but, but there's an idea that would it be good if uh, about 80% not a hundred percent. And to say it's good enough. See, part of this is a radical trust in God. 
It says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. That this needs to be God's business, our life. Either we trust him with our life, if we trust him for our eternity, we can trust him for our today. Doesn't mean we become slackers, but as I talk to people around our church, the different campuses, I don't find a lot of slackers. Most of us are driving to a point of exhaustion, and really, we end up with this feeling of emptiness. And God doesn't want you to feel that way. See, another phrase to learn is I'm not, gonna, uh, I'm not going to give in to guilt. Women, because of cultural norms, changing expectations, and competing priorities, can often feel a lot of guilt. Uh, one uh, female uh, marriage and family therapist wrote this, show me a female who does not feel guilt, and I will show you a man. <laughs> there's, uh, now, there's legitimate guilt, which brings us back to God, but there's that guilt, that, that uneasy feeling, that, that tension And if we're feeling that all the time, is that really God trying to correct our behavior, or is it us just taking on what we were never meant to take on? Jesus said this. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mary, uh, Martha was a hardworking person, but she was working through obligation and duty, and it had replaced her calling. I think one of the greatest things you can do, especially uh, if you're married, and uh, for men, and this is the perspective I have, is to help and support your wife in her calling. Oftentimes we, you know, we think traditional and, you know, that it's the man's calling. He may be working outside the home and the, the mom may be staying home. I know that oftentimes that's switched in our culture or both people work. But we each have a calling. We each have that thing that God has called us to. Jesus said, Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, this is important. And ladies, before you, if you're a mom, before you had a child, you were God's child. And as that, don't, don't let someone put these expectations on you that aren't from him. It also means, though, that there needs to be this level of self-care. And, and I know people can take it to a narcissistic fashion in our culture, but it's sort of like when you go to the airport. Besides the long TSA lines, one of the things you uh, get to experience is uh, what the flight attendants will tell you every single time, right? Uh, in case all the oxygen is sucked out of the airplane uh, and the mask drops down, who are you supposed to put it on first? Yourself, right? Do you know why they have to tell us that every time? Because your natural instinct is to do the opposite, especially if you're with a child or a man who acts like a child. <laughs> you're going to want to uh, put that. But, but they know this, that in a period of a few seconds, Unless you have it on you, you can lose consciousness and there will be no one there to care for the child during the scariest time of their life and when they need you the most. And so it's a little bit counterintuitive to put on your own oxygen mask first. And I think that's what God would tell really all of us. And that leads to number three, 
the third phrase to learn is I will find and focus on what's important. You, you think about this, and this is sort of a trick question. Is there anything that God can't do? There actually is something that God can't do. God can't please everyone. That there are, are people, God is perfect and holy, but there are people who God won't please. But isn't it funny that some of us try to do what God is unable to do, he can't do? The scripture says this, uh, Luke 16, 13, and, and this is in the context of money, but you could broaden it to almost anything. It says, no one can serve two masters. And part of this is letting go of uh, the superwoman myth that you're going to be able to do it all. You probably, for some of you, you you're going to be able to accomplish more than you ever thought you could. But it means there's the focus on what's essential and what's important. Uh, you know, we, I, we live in Sammamish, my wife and I, and right now there's a lot of building going on. And every once in a while, we make the mistake. Our home is only six years old. It's not even that old. Uh, but we go by uh, uh, the developments. And you ever drive by and there's the flags waving you in? And so uh, we go in. And what happens when you walk through a model home? Do, how many of you feel better about your house? <laughs> now, do you know why? Do you know the difference between that perfect house and your house? People live in your house, and they mess it up. And we have this idealized image. Instead of, you know, I, I can do something. I can accomplish something. And more than anything... God would want us to give the focus to him, not because he has this need for our love, but because when we give our love to him and we receive that, we can do far more than we could without it, but also we can experience what God wants us to experience in him. The, the value maybe that you never felt growing up or from a boss or even unfortunately from a spouse. And that you can find that in God. Jesus uh, says this in Luke 10, 41 through 42. Uh, he, he says, Martha, Martha. By the way, you know you're busted by Jesus when he has to say your name more than once. And he goes, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. When's the, when's the last time, instead of trying to accomplish more to get rid of your stress, you said, you know, I'm going to focus on God and who He created me to be. I'm going to experience Him. I'm going to spend some time maybe just reading the Bible, finding out about Him, and praying, and meditating, and uh, I know some of you think, well, meditating isn't that, you know, that sort of sounds weird. I don't know how to meditate. You know what meditation is? The, you know what negative meditation is? It's called worry. How many of you know how to worry? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah. Positive meditation is focusing on the things of God and the truth of God. A fourth phrase is, I need help. You know, you think about maybe the, the mom phrases 
that you heard uh, growing up? A- any of you, maybe you can help me uh, with some of these mom phrases. Uh, stop, stop crying or I'm going to give you something to... Yeah. Uh, don't put that in your mouth. You don't know where it's... Always wear clean underwear in case you get in a... You're in trouble. Wait until you're... Yeah. It sounds like you were raised by the same woman I was. <laughs> you, you know what you didn't hear from mom usually a lot? Hey, I need some help. The scripture says this, though. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Ladies, this is true uh, of you. Probably true of most men, too. You, you know who you need help from? Uh, one is, is a mentor. Is there someone in your life uh, and this isn't in your outline, but you can write it on the side if you want to. Is there someone in, in your life who's maybe gone through this journey a little bit longer and further than you have, who can help you? That happens relationally. That happen- I mean, there were hundreds of women this, this weekend at uh, the women's event on a Redmond campus, and I hear it was amazing. As promised, I got as far, far away as I could from this place, and, uh, but it was amazing. Uh, and people were finding a sense of friendship and community. It can be a group. Is there someone who can speak into your life who loves God and knows his wisdom and loves you? It's okay to say, I need help. If you're a mom, it's okay to say, I need help from your children. Some moms, I know you don't want to inconvenience your children. Do you know that one of the best things you can do, and I'm sorry for the kids who are here today, you're not going to like me much after this, is to go ahead and inconvenience them a little bit because they can help out. It'll make them better workers in life, more successful. It'll help them in relationships. Also, if you're married, you can uh, ask for help from your husband. And by the way, I get this. He doesn't know how to do it right. I know that. But what what if you just take a, a, a mommy night? Now, Our kids are older, so this doesn't need to be the case. But when our kids were younger, my wife would go out and she would have a Terry night. And she would be gone and she would leave the kids to me. It was a frightening proposition. And, you know, we would have, you know, Cheetos for dinner and all that kind of... It won't kill them. It really won't. And, by the way, and I know know there are some moms who struggle with this. Don't deprive them of that relationship with their father that they need without you present. You are not helping your children. Take a night off and just pray that they'll be alive. (laughs) Uh, But maybe you're not married, ladies. Just friends. Friends who, who... who are seeking Jesus like you. I'm not, it's, it's good to have friends who aren't Christ followers as well. I'm not saying to only hang around Christian people. That's, you know, that sort of can get almost weird and cultish. But you gotta have a few friends who are there who are praying for you, 
I've shared before as a man, and I, I don't have this, you know, honestly, I talk a lot about growth groups. Growth groups are hard for me, but the best part of my week, one of the best parts of my week, I need to be careful because my wife will be listening to this, uh, is uh, my, the, the men's group I'm with. Are, are there some friends who maybe in a time of need could be there and help you? And, and then your church. Uh, if, if you are struggling, you have a need, man, raise the flag. Say, I need some help. Are, are we perfect as a church? Not even close. But one of the things we want to do is support you in your life. Yes, in your Christian life, in your walk with Jesus, but just in your life as you go through great celebrations, and even as you go through some struggles as well. I want you uh, to hear a story uh, of someone who just, it, it, yeah, it was a sort of a big thing for them, but just got to that place of isolation. And she reached out, even though it was scary, and found some help along the way. Take a look at this. 